Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence of Roots Base Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And today's episode is Javi being disruptive. As soon as the Javier Baez trade was announced, I was ecstatic. I was over the moon because... Even before the Javier Baez trade was announced, Javier Baez was as good as gone. My over-under for the Cubs' number of players being traded in July was 7.5. I was told, no, 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 you are way too high. There is no way the Cubs are going to trade all of... Javier Baez, and Chris Bryant, and Anthony Rizzo. They're not going to trade all of them because that would hurt attendance in Wrigley the rest of the season. Well, guess what? They traded them all. The Cubs traded everyone that had trade value. They even traded Jake Marisnik. They even traded Jake Marisnik and got a very valid, very legitimate, albeit oft-injured, pitcher in the Jake Marisnik trade. I love the um, Javier Baez trade. Uh, I was not entirely sold on Pete Crow Armstrong heading into the draft because I was not sold on his bat. I'd seen enough of his bat since the trade through the draft in 2022 to say I'm interested in Pete Crow Armstrong. I I was wrong. Um, Doesn't mean he's going to hit Major League Pitching. Hitting Major League Pitching is very good. It is very difficult. But Pete Crow Armstrong sold me on his ability. Whether he will hit Major League Pitching or not, I'm buying enough of the other things that he does. And I think he'll hit well enough. He's not going to have to hit 280, 360, 440. How's that for coming up imagining numbers? Not going to have to do that to be a good, useful Major League center fielder. Now you toss in. The Cubs have Pete Crow Armstrong developing. The Cubs have Brennan Davis developing. The Cubs have Kevin Alcantara developing. The Cubs have Alexander Canario developing. Probably at least some of these guys are going to be non-terrible. Then at some point, they can have some of the other guys who are doing fairly well and possibly under long-term team control, flip them for something else. Greg Dykeman comes to mind. You know, if he does okay, it eh, looks like, hey, we got we might have somebody else. Then you trade Greg Dykeman. It's all good. It's all fine. Um, the Pete Crow Armstrong. I love the trade. I love the trade. I, I asked on Twitter for somebody to do me a favor they did a wonderful job, wonderful job. I, I asked for a picture, you know, the side-by-side pictures, side-by-side pictures, kind of like the lady with the, uh, the lady yelling at the cat eating the, uh, whatever the cat's eating and the young lady's yelling at the cat and the cat responds to her in a very calm, collective fashion and the lady's yelling at the cat. But uh, no, I, I want to, can you give me a picture of, the New York Mets on August 1st, 
and that on the left and on the right, a picture of the New York Mets on August 28th, August 29th, something like that. You know, kind of like an Amanda Bynes thing. I, I just say occasionally somebody has their Amanda Bynes moment. Amanda Bynes, for a while, she was one of those um, Hollywood actresses. They're all amazingly beautiful. And she didn't seem to be too screwed up. Then 2012 and 2013 happened, and all of a sudden she was uh, out there like any of the others. And I guess she's kind of repaired herself. But uh, everyone gets an Amanda Bynes moments. Everybody does. And this month, it's been the Mets. You know, it started off all well and good. Hey, we're going to be fine. We have Javier Baez. He will hold down shortstop for until Francisco Lindor gets back in about two or three weeks. Then we'll be fine. Then we'll be fine. All of our pitchers will start coming back. And then we'll have Javier Baez scoot over and play second. We'll be fine. We, we will be fine. And the Mets ended up messing around and screwing up three games by uh, starting Jared Eikhoff, and then they started um, Robert Stock again, and they just started losing some games they shouldn't, and then this happened, and then all of a sudden Javier Baez goes on the injured list, then Francisco Lindor comes back, and he's not necessarily tearing the league up, and they have this happen. All their pitchers, all of a sudden, well, you know that guy was going to, he, he, no, he's not going to. No, 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 he's not going to. Now, all of a sudden, they, the last couple days, the Mets fans have started booing the Mets players. It happens, right? You play horrible, the fans boo you. It happens all the time. If you play poorly, you get booed. I don't necessarily enjoy it. I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't know that I would do it if I were going to a game, but I wouldn't pay 70 bucks to go to a game in the first place. If I were to spend 70 bucks to go to a game in the first place, I might boo the players. But no, I'm sitting at home. I'm not going to boo the players. I'm going to listen to minor league games. I'm going to tell you what's ha what happens, what's going on. But yeah, some people are booing the Mets players. And in response, the Mets players are booing the Mets fans right back at them. Both thumbs down. New York Mets have come out with a statement. And the New York Mets are backing the fans. The fans are completely authorized to boo the players. And you players who are booing, grow up, get over it. Keith Olbermann, that um, moral compass that Keith Olbermann is was saying all of those players should be designated for assignment. And I immediately began to think, I don't know, can Keith Olbermann be designated for assignment? So yeah, it's it, it's just absolutely ruptured. Everything, the picture that I asked for, somebody had a child the, on the left, April 1st, New York Mets, child going to, I don't know what grade she's going into, but it's just this absolutely adorable picture Young lady, I don't know, maybe eight, nine years old, all set for her first day of school, all dressed up to the nines, absolutely beautiful outfit, hair done, makeup, all that perfect, just absolutely looks amazing. And in the other picture, she looks like she just got beaten up by, I don't know what, and, uh, you know, hair all disheveled, and you can tell that it's the same outfit, 
But it sure doesn't look like the same outfit because it looks like it's all, you know, crumpled and wrinkled. And you got a bag in front of her. Presumably it had been on her back before. And now she's probably holding it up to make sure that her clothing doesn't fall off or something. The Mets are a complete mess. Now, I could leave it there. I could leave it there and say the Mets were a complete mess. Uh, Javier Baez, blah, 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 blah. Maybe he'll come back to the Cubs, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm going to go a little bit further because quite a few people are wondering what over this offseason the Chicago Cubs ought to do. What ought the Cubs to do this offseason because, after all, Chris Bryant's gone, Anthony Rizzo's gone, Javier Baez is gone, at least for now. Um, let's see, they, Craig Kimbrell's gone. So a whole bunch of contracts that had been accounted for last year, next year will be gone. And that frees up some money for the Cubs to theoretically spend. And a lot of people, theoretically, the Cubs ought to go out and spend because they're a big market team, they ought to spend, blah, 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 blah. You know, you've heard it before. I'm not even going to go there. You know the argument. Here's what I'm going to say. I really don't think the Cubs are too in tune with pot committing to 2022. I just don't. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. For instance, they have Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal. They're both probably second baseman. Nico Horner might be able to play center a little bit. Maybe one of them could get booted over to third, play a little left. Don't think either one of them plays right. But basically, they're second baseman. You could stick Horner at short, Madrigal at second. It should work. It won't bite, won't be ideal. You'll probably have as few home runs from second base shortstop as any team in the league. But you'll have good contact hitting and smart base running and etc. 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 Good contact. You know, it would be an acceptable option. Both of them basically on league minimum contracts. Now you look to the rest of the team, you get a little bit of Rafael Ortega on a league minimum contract. You get Patrick Wisdom on a league minimum contract. You have possibly Frank Schwindel and possibly um, Alfonso Rivas on league minimum contracts. You get Ian Happ maybe making six mil. Jason Hayward making whatever he's going to make. Um, Kyle Hendricks making what he's going to make. But really, there's not really a whole lot of money tied up. So in theory, in theory, in theory, in theory, Cubs could go out and invest in one of the major free agents. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. I don't think Jed Hoyer is sold on it. I don't think Tom Ricketts is sold on it. And I think Tom Ricketts would just soon have a team that's going to be, I don't know, what, 65, 68, oh, let's say 115, 120. 
125, 130 million, something in that range. So uh, Jed Hoyer goes out and lines up the team, has the 40-man roster figured out, got three or four spots open, whatever happens, maybe there's a strike, maybe there's not, maybe there's a lockout, maybe there's not. Get games going whenever they get going. You have players saying, hey, I thought I was going to get a three-year contract. I was going to be rich, but I'm not. So here, how about this? Sign me to a one-year deal. And then I'll prove myself as being good. And then I'll go somewhere else next year. Okay, fine. No problem. And Jed Hoyer probably ends up getting someone who has a bit of shortstop in him. Possibly a little bit of third base as well. I don't know. Whatever. But no. Jed Hoyer puts together a roster that, hey, if all of these guys stay healthy and all of them have good years and all this kind of stuff, then possibly, 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 possibly the Cubs could be a first-place team. And that would be the goal. Team lines up. This guy's injured. This guy slumps. This guy has a bad year. This guy... Da, 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 da. Stuff happens, and probably by right about the trade deadline, yeah, we're going to trade some guys. Cubs trade some, trade some guys away. And to some Cubs fans, it starts looking like a never-ending cycle. Kind of like, it kind of looked like a never-ending cycle back in 2012, 2013. You aren't spending enough money. You aren't pot committing to the future. You aren't bringing enough good players. You aren't bringing in enough pitching. You aren't bringing enough, enough hitting. You aren't bringing, da, da, da. doing a good job with bullpen, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Nico Horner, okay, we're good with him. Uh, Nick Madrigal, okay, we're good with him. Patrick Wisdom, okay, maybe we're good with him, blah, blah, blah. But really... We want more money spent. We want better team. We want better whatever. Which has nothing to do with the Mets, right? Yeah. At some point, you got to gamble on something. At some point, you have to gamble on something if you're going to get away with something. You have to gamble on something if you're going to get away with something. And what I think the Cubs might gamble on, and boy, this really really, really looks like a safe gamble. This really looks like a safe gamble right about now. The Cubs, right now, as of today, could rather easily gamble on the following. Some front office is going to screw up. Some front office is going to screw up. And that's the gamble. Some front office is going to screw up. If some front office screws up, what are they going to do? What are they going to do if they screw up? If a front office screws up. For instance, let's say a front office decided to make a rather huge trade. Huge trade for a middle infielder. Middle infielder. They traded for the middle infielder. They traded for the middle infielder. Immediately upon getting the middle infielder, they signed him to like a seven, eight-year deal. Whole bunch of money, all guaranteed. All guaranteed. Then, a little bit later, a little bit later, a little bit later, they traded a recent number one draft pick to get another guy to help out in the middle infield. And then the whole team went to hell. Javier Baez is going to blow through New York 
in and out in about three months. Javier Baez will not be a Met in 2022. He has infuriated New York Mets fans. There are probably at least 10 general managers in the league that will not touch him at all. No interest. No interest. He is responding poorly to a situation he's in. There are going to be a number of teams that possibly might have been interested in him in the offseason. They want nothing to do with him. Nothing to do with him. Nothing at all. Now, that doesn't really have anything to do with the Mets. doesn't have anything to do with the Mets. He's not going back to the Mets. He'll go somewhere else. But the Mets traded Pete Crow Armstrong, who is going to, supposed to help them on down the line. The Mets are heavily invested in Francisco Lindor, who, frankly, has already greatly underperformed. I'm not going to say a Hayward contract, but I'm not going to say it's not going to turn into that. He's getting paid a whole lot of money, and he's really not helping the team that much. Yeah, he's better than average. He's better than what the Cubs are going to have at shortstop. But he's also making so much money, which I'm completely good with, he's going to mess up the Mets' finances. At some point in the next few years, three years, four years, whatever, the Mets are going to be in a situation where they're up against a financial limit. A financial limit, a financial limit that probably you think shouldn't matter. You think it shouldn't matter because Steve Cohen is a billionaire and he shouldn't worry about going over a 170, a 180, a 190, a 200 million dollar limit for a season. He shouldn't worry about it. He's got scads of money. Shouldn't worry about it, but you know what? He's going to. He's going to worry about it. He's going to worry about it, or his general manager is going to worry about it. And the Mets are going to say at some point, no, we do not want to go over this certain specific financial limit. Kind of almost, kind of almost, kind of almost like Jed Hoyer did in November. Kind of like. Switch to San Diego. Let's switch to San Diego. They traded for um, Snell. And it hasn't worked very well. They traded for you, Darvish. That hasn't worked very well. Um, Francisco. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has been fantastic when he's been healthy, but he's had some injury concerns, which may at some point be concerning. Um, the Padres, to get Snell, Blake Snell and Yu Darvish, traded a decent chunk of their talent pipeline. Talent pipeline's still there. Not as strong as it had been. They've still got, they've still got a decent number of guys, but... Um, it's not like it used to be. Darvish and Snell are going to take up salary. And Eric Hosmer is going to take up salary. And the Padres at some point may be in a situation where they're in a bit of a financial pickle. That's just two teams as of right now. That's just two teams as of right now. All... 
the Cubs have to do, all the Cubs have to do, is be patient for a little tiny bit. Little tiny bit. Some front office is going to screw up. Somebody's going to screw up. Why? Why am I so confident on that? Because it happens all the time. Most front offices are, I'm going to be deliberate. I'm going to wait until the time is right. I'm going to wait until most of the slots are filled. And then when the slots are filled, I will meticulously make a trade here or there. And hopefully it'll all work out. And the Padres actually look like they're in that situation. They really, really, really look like they're in that situation. They look like if they could add two or three good starting pitchers in the offseason, they'd be in fantastic shape. They added Joe Musgrove, who's been sensational. They added Blake Snell, who's been terrible. They added Hugh Darvish, who started out fantastically, and he's pretty much terrible now. If you are waiting for the next San Diego Padres postseason game, you might be waiting a while. Are the Padres in as horrible of a situation as the New York Mets? No, they're not. They're not. They're not even close. But depending on how the new CBA, Collective Bargaining Agreement, is phrased, is written, is signed out on, there are going to be a number of teams that are in a situation where, you know what, we're going to go over that limit. We're going to go over that limit, and most fans will be, shouldn't worry about it. Shouldn't worry about it because the owner is a billionaire. There is no concern. There should be no concern because... The owner's a billionaire. Why should the billionaire owner concern himself with losing a bit of revenue because they have to pay a tax, because they have to pay a fee? But really, the tax, the fee, that's not the problem. That's not the concern. The concern is more losing future value because of things that will happen. For instance, I I did a mock run-through of the draft back a little while ago as far as who would be drafting where. And uh, the Mets are going to be drafting 11th because they lost the 10th pick. The Dodger, no, the Red Sox, do I have that sheet somewhere? Um, the Red Sox are going to be drafting, I think, 34th. Something like 34th. Um, I'm turning over sheets of paper because... I'm writing on both sides of sheets of paper and something might be on the back side of one of these sheets of paper that I'm looking for. Um, but no, it's something along the lines of the Red Sox will draft somewhere along the lines of 34 because the 33rd pick or whatever did not sign uh, Judd Fabian from Florida. Since I got a few minutes, I'm going to look over here one time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Mets are going to pick 11th, the Red Sox are going to pick something like 34th, something like 34th, is that it? Nah, that's not it, that's not it, it's close to it, but it's not it, um, and then the Dodgers, because they're over the limit this time, by far enough, 
they are going to have their draft selection dropped by 10. Now, their first pick in the draft, as of right now, they have the second best record in all of baseball, and they are staring down a wildcard matchup because the best record in all of baseball is also in their league. Kind of sounds unfortunate. Kind of sound. If, if I were a Dodger fan, I might be a little bit bent about it because we've got the second best team in the league, but we're having to play a wild card because they, well, don't lose the division. Just don't lose the division. They tried to spend a whole bunch of money to win the division, and as of so far, it hasn't quite worked yet. They're still behind the Giants, and the Giants still have three more games against the Cubs. So uh, Giants have a shot. Um, but whenever the Dodgers select, the Dodgers' first pick will drop 10 spots. So if, is this it? if the Dodgers are drafting 29th in the draft, 29th in the draft, actually that would be 30th in the draft because the Mets are 10th, okay? So the Mets, uh, Mets are 11th. The Mets are 11th, so anybody drafting after 11 drops a spot. So the Dodgers, the 29th best record, the 29th worst record, would actually be drafting 30th in the first round. 30th, got it? Now, because there is the 10-pick penalty, they drop 10. So they drop to 40th. And... 40th they'd probably be. 40th they'd probably be. Because they're not... Um, the Dodger... The Red Sox pick... Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to find that sheet of paper I need. But uh, if the Dodgers drop below the number two, which the um, Red Sox would be drafting in the second round in their Judd Fabian pick, the Dodgers could actually drop below the Red Sox in the second round. So um, if the team does enough things that involve, oh, you evil, rotten, horrible person you're spending trying to improve your team and make your team better and try to win, um, Major League Baseball doesn't like that. So there are punishments for spending, quote-unquote, too much money. Teams that get themselves into financial jeopardy. Teams that get themselves into financial jeopardy are sometimes interested in what can I do to get out of financial jeopardy. And most teams are perfectly willing to say, <laughs> wow, it sucks that you guys are in that shape. It, yeah, I, I, it, it really sucks. It really sucks that you're in a situation where you are going to pay a punishment for trying to do well. It's really, it really sucks. It's really unfortunate. Have a great time paying that said punishment. But sometimes um, they might actually be willing to do something to bring about, you know, they might be willing to do something to get out of jail. They might be willing to do something that, is mutually beneficial to both sides. Kind of like in the Darvish trade. 
the Cubs made a trade that was horribly unpopular, horribly unpopular. Many people, it still probably is horribly unpopular. Um, the Cubs traded a really good pitcher and a really good backup catcher to get a kind of really mediocre pitcher and four guys that most people had never heard of. Never heard of at all. Um, and it immediately, it looked like a stupid trade by the Cubs. And it's all dependent upon how well you Darvish does and how, the, how well the Padres do. But if a team like the Mets or the Padres or the Dodgers, or it won't be the Dodgers, whichever team it is that really screws up their finances, absolutely runs the Lamborghini into the guardrail. Run the Lamborghini into the guardrail. Driver gets out of the car and realizes, oh shit, I'm completely bombed drunk. I'd better go walk to a hotel, get a room, stay there overnight. And then eventually when I'm good and sober, show back up and say, hey, uh, I just ended up in my hotel room and where, where, where's my car? And now they avoid having to pay. You know. If a team gets into enough financial trouble, they get into enough financial trouble, they might be willing to make a stupid trade. Now, I don't want the Cubs to take on the Francisco Lindor contract. Francisco Lindor is a very good player, but I don't like Francisco Lindor's contract any more than I like a lot of the other contracts that I wouldn't want the Cubs to be paying for. However, when a team is in a situation where they're in a bunch of big trouble, there might be a situation where, how about this? You have this moderately bad contract, this moderately bad contract, whoever it is, have this moderately bad contract, and we'd really like to move some of our contracts. Would you be willing to take this moderately bad contract, give us a mid-level prospect, probably not a guy who's ever going to make it to double A, just some guy that you're, you're, you're trading us a guy. We're giving you guys a bad contract, and we'll give you 45. The Fangraph's 45 guy. Because we got to move the contract. We have to move the contract. Would you take a bad contract and a 45 for a mid-level prospect who's really not going to be anything? What that ends up doing is the Cubs are using their financial heft. And the Cubs do have financial heft. Now, regardless if it is a biblical losses situation or what, however you want to phrase it, the Cubs have financial heft. The Cubs are going to especially be fine financially. Especially once the Hayward contract gets sorted out. The Cubs are going to be fine financially. They're going to be fine financially. Especially once the next talent batch starts coming through and people start saying, hey, Brennan Davis, he might be okay. And hey, this uh, Alexander Canario might be okay. Mm -hmm. Whichever guys, Reggie Preciado, Ed Howard, Kevin Made, whoever, whoever it is, whoever, these guys look like they might be okay. If the Cubs are in a situation where 
their finances are in really good shape. Really good shape. And other front offices, because it always happens. It always ha Somebody thinks they can outsmart the game by spending. They think they can outsmart the game by spending. I know that those big long contracts are scary and they're ugly and a lot of times they backfire. But this guy, this guy, this guy, I'm confident this guy, if we sign this guy to a long-term contract, it's going to be peachy. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to work for us. We're going to sign this guy to a long-term contract. Here it is. The contract is signed. The contract is drying. The contract is turned into the league. What the hell did we just do? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Whether it's the Mets, whether it's the Padres, I don't think it'll be the Padres. I don't think it'll be the Dodgers either. But there's going to be another team that thinks, you know what? This is our year. This is our year. We are going to take a chance. We are going to bring in that player. We are going to take the chance because we really think this year, if we make the aggressive move, we can put ourselves over the top and we will be in fantastic postseason shape. And they, they make the aggressive move and, oh my God, what did we just do? Sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. You know, um, the U Darvish trade worked. I mean, the uh, Eroldis Chapman trade worked. Some of them work. Some of them work. Some of them don't. And the Cubs, realistically, one of the lessons of the Mets, one of the lessons of Javier Baez, one of the lessons of Steve Cohen, when a team does something really aggressively, really aggressively, there's the possibility that it completely works. There's a possibility that it's kind of okay. You know, there's some upside, there's some downside, but it's really kind of okay. It's, it, it's all right. It's not that bad. Then there's some percentage of the time where, oh, no, this isn't going to work at all. Right now, the Mets are a complete horror show. The Mets are a complete horror show. The fans can't stand Javier Baez. The fans are angry at Francisco Lindor. They're really not you know, eight or ten guys on the Mets that are healthy and desirable. They're just, it's just, Peter Alonso, no worries with him. No qualms with him. The rest of the team, yeah, Dom Smith, maybe. But the rest of the team, it's, it's, it's a train wreck. It's a train wreck. And Francisco Lindor's contract is not going to help. And, 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 with the next collective bargaining agreement, there will be lower punishment levels for teams that have the audacity to spend. It might be the Mets. It might be somebody else. It might be the Phillies. The Phillies are prone to doing that kind of stuff. Uh, any team that's... One team that hasn't done it but might do it is Seattle. Getting to that point where, hey, maybe if... Maybe this time, maybe this cycle, if we do this and that and get that one guy and then we have all our young guys coming up and then let's do that one aggressive thing and that's where you screw up.
the thing the Cubs are getting fricasseed for. Absolutely humiliated for. You didn't extend any of the core. You didn't extend any of the core. You didn't give any of them long-term contracts. Actually, you're probably lucky they didn't. Javier Baez on a long-term contract? Chris Bryant on a long-term contract might not look that bad. Anthony Rizzo on a long-term contract? The Yankees have been winning with him, arguably in spite of him instead of because of him. But there's really not a whole lot of reason to say a whole horde of the Cubs' core should have been given seven or eight-year contracts at $25 million a year for, you know, six, seven, eight years. Two or three of them, and the other one, $17 million per... At some point, you're going over limits. At some point, you're going over limits. The Cubs are taking lots of heat, arguably deservedly so. We're not spending the money that they have to keep their team above water for a long time. But really, when a team decides, I'm not willing to take that aggressive spending risk. They're going to take a PR hit. They're going to take a PR hit for not having done it. But you know what else is a PR hit? When you spend a whole bunch of money on a team, a whole bunch of money on a team, trade for a long-term piece, give him a long extension, bring in another player kind of like him, and your team all of a sudden goes Amanda Bynes. Your team all of a sudden goes Amanda Bynes. And there's nothing you can do about it. Right now, there is no easy way out for the Mets. There is no easy way out for the Mets. What are they going to do? The fans are revolting against the players. The players are revolting against the fans. The owner is revolting against the players. Since the owner is revolting against the players, what free agent's going to want to go play for them? Their pipeline's fine, but they traded Pete Crow Armstrong, and I think they made another couple trades right before the deadline, and uh, they traded some quality to get Francisco Lindor. Um, Fangraphs, Mets, I think they're, I don't know, 18th, something like that. But this cycle, this draft cycle, their entire draft strategy was draft... um, Kumar Rocker, and ride him to success. They didn't sign him. They didn't sign him, and the, the rest of their draft class was a whole bunch of guys who they didn't pay a whole lot in bonuses because they wanted to sign Kumar Rocker. So, yeah, they get their 11th pick next year, but that's not going to help them this year, and it's not going to help them next year. The Mets are a wreck. I have a couple people I follow on Twitter on on Twitter, who are Mets fans, and it's horrible. It it's really horrible. They they 
there's no way to go. Alonzo is fine. DeGrom and Syndergaard, when they're healthy, they're fine. The rest of the team, who the hell knows? When the Cubs are putting together their strategy for, how are you going to use your financial heft to blow other teams out of the water? Many fans go out and sign Carlos Correa, go out and sign Nick Castellanos, go out and sign this guy, go out and sign that guy, go out and sign the other guy, go out and sign this other guy. Reality is, this offseason, I really don't think the Cubs are going to spend a whole lot. They're, they're not going to get aggressive. I really don't see them getting aggressive. After all, why does a player want to come sign, sign a contract with the Cubs? The Cubs aren't going to spend this. They're not going to go six, seven, eight years on Carlos Correa. There's no reason for them to. After all, they already have... Uh, Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal, you, you, they would obviously start Correa, but then what are you going to do with Madrigal and Horner? I guess you could trade one of them, but it seems like the Cubs are more in a situation where they'd rather have guys who are making league minimum playing fairly well and sorting it out and hoping some of the kids coming up through the pipeline do something. That, that's what my guess would be. I really think the Cubs' idea, be very patient, be very deliberative, make sure that players like Patrick Wisdom, Frank Schwindel, Alfonso Rivas, if they represent, they should be guys getting 400, 450 at-bats in 2022. Get them 450 at-bats in 2022. You know, there's, there's absolutely no reason to hide Patrick Wisdom on the bench. He's perfectly fine defensively at third base. He has incredibly decent power. He's going to break the Cubs' all-time home run record for rookies, which won't necessarily be very popular with a handful of people. But, um, so you get Patrick Wisdom... You get a handful of the other guys. And then be patient. Very patient. Sit back. Wait. Relax. See which players don't get signed. Not all of them are going to get signed. Some of them are going to... I really thought I was going to get a four-year deal. I should have gotten a four-year deal. Four-year deal, $18 million per. I deserved it. I earned it. I have done well enough. I should have gotten four years, 18 million. You didn't. You didn't. You did not get it. Apparently, you didn't earn it. Because if you have earned it, you would have gotten it. Jed Hoyer's going to sit back and wait. He's going to sit back and wait. He's going to sit back and wait. He's going to sit back and wait. You get that pitcher who I really thought I should have been a starter at the major league. Hey, we haven't signed five starting pitchers. Well, what are you guys going to pay me? You guys are horrible. How about this? Let me give you one year deal. We'll pay you $10 million. $10 million for one year. Oh, $10 million. That's not too horrible. How about that? Okay, I'll take $10 million. Okay. Bring him in. Maybe an outfielder. Give him 
8 million, 9 million, 10 million, well, whatever, whatever. Bring them in. Okay, we're going to start you. And they do enough short-term gambles. Hopefully they work out. Hopefully they do really well. Hopefully the team is in competitive a competitive situation right before the trade deadline. But if they're not, then they trade them off again. They trade guys off. Hey, you did a really good job for us through the trade deadline. Now we're going to trade you and get back another prospect. We're going to trade this guy and get another two prospects back. We're going to trade these two guys and get one prospect back. Do exactly what they did this time. Exactly what they did this time. And then after the next time, they'll have more prospects closer to the major leagues. And they'll have a better idea. How good is Kevin Alcantara? How good is Owen Casey? How good is Alexander Canario? Maybe by the spring of 2013, Alexander Canario is ready for right field. And Brennan Davis has already debuted in center field. You have Brennan Davis making league minimum. You have Alexander Canario making league minimum. Now you have other guys who's beaten the... uh, Beating the path to the... Maybe Kevin Made is about ready. Maybe Ed Howard is about ready. Maybe Owen Casey is about ready. And all of a sudden, you you start having reasonable expectations that some of the answers will be accounted for. Guess what? The Cubs still haven't spent a damn bit of money. They still haven't spent a damn bit of money because all they've been doing is uh, Jack Peterson contracts. Spend a little money. Trade the guy in July. Spend a little money. Trade the guy in July. Spend a little money. Didn't work. We traded Kyle Hendricks. Doesn't work. We trade Wilson Contreras. And hopefully, 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 some of the guys coming up through the pipeline start to answer some of the questions. And to the extent that certain positions aren't answered through the pipeline, that's when you go out and do the more aggressive free agency things. But always, always, always the Cubs should be keeping an eye out for the teams that are overly aggressive and screw up because it always happens. It always happens. That team gets to that point where if we just do this one extra trade, we do this one extra trade, it's going to put us over the top and we're going to be fine. It looks like it might cost you a little bit of money. Yeah, yeah, I know, but you got to spend money to win. So you go out, you spend money, it's like, oh shit, this didn't work. This didn't even close to work. Javier Baez and the Mets right now are an embarrassment. They're an embarrassment. They're not a punchline. They are the punchline. They are the punchline in Major League Baseball. People are laughing at the Mets. At some point, there will be financial blowback. Perhaps the Cubs might be in a situation where they might be willing to, for a fee, help the Mets out with some of their financial um, concerns. One of the best ways to deal with having a situation where you are willing to spend money, but you haven't done it yet. You're willing to spend money, but you haven't done it yet. One of the things back in 2017 
the Houston Astros, who may or may not have been cheating a little tiny bit, they had a good team. They had a very good team. They decided, you know what? Let's make this trade for this one pitcher. It'll be a gamble. It'll be a gamble, but guess what? We haven't gone into hockey yet. If we add this one pitcher, he will make us better. He will very possibly make us better. He very possibly might guide us to the World Series. But because we have been conservative financially, he's not going to break us. The Astros sent the Tigers some prospects for Dustin Verlander, and shortly thereafter, the Astros lifted the piece of metal. If a team is in financial shape where they are able to take advantage of another team who is in bad financial shape, and no, 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 it's not just the Mets. It's not just the Padres. Criminy's sake, the Colorado Rockies did exactly that thing this spring. We need to find somebody to take Nolan Arenado off our hands. Well, you mean the guy who's the um, best defensive third baseman in the National League and hits really well? Yeah, him. We need somebody who's willing to accept him for basically nickels on the dollar. Cardinals, raise their hand. Yeah, okay, we'll do that. Why was it the Cardinals? Because the Cardinals were the only team that were willing to take on the financial uh, constraints. There weren't a whole lot of teams that, yeah, we got a whole bunch of money sitting around. Cardinals were willing to do it. Cardinals were willing to do it. They gave up very little and got a very good player back in return. It was a huge benefit for the Cardinals for 2021. For the future, maybe not. Maybe not nearly as much. Maybe not at all. But um, for 2021, it was really good for them. If the Cubs position themselves as the team who, yeah, we are more than willing to help you out of your financial jail that you're in. More than happy to help you out. More than happy to help you out. But it is going to cost you a prospect. It's going to cost you a prospect. We are going to send you a garbage prospect. You're going to send us a good prospect. And you're also going to send us a bad um, bad contract. Good prospect. Bad contract. We send you a little bit of rubbish. And we're good. Cubs get a bad contract that, well, if he's really that bad, they designate him for assignment and let him go. If he's really that bad, they let him go. But a lot of times what happens is, what happens is, a team realizes, we don't want this contract anymore. We really don't want this contract anymore. This is a bad contract. We have to get rid of this contract. The Yankees did that this year with, I'm not even going to try to bother remembering which reliever it was. But no, they had a reliever who they bought into. They gave him like a two, three-year deal. They brought him in, and he just did not work in New York at all. We have to... Adam Adovino, was it? We have to get rid of this guy. Yeah, if you're hollering, hollering Adovino at your computer, thanks. Um, we got to get rid of this guy. We got to get rid of this guy. He is killing us. 
We've got to get rid of him. And we're going to pay a team to take his contract. So what they did was they traded him to Boston. And they traded Boston a prospect to take Adam Adovino's contract. They got basically nothing back in return. Funniest damn thing happened. Adam Adovino got to Boston. He's good again. He's horrible in New York. He got to Boston. I'm good. Just because a pitcher or a just because a player is horrible in one environment doesn't mean he will be good in another. Just because a player is good in one environment doesn't mean he will be good in another. Remember that. That'll be on the final. Just because a player does well in one environment doesn't mean he would do it well in a totally different environment. Oh, we traded for this guy. He only hit 217. Different situation. Different situation. Some guys just don't play well in certain parks, in certain situations, with certain managers, with certain teammates. Sometimes it just doesn't work. If the Cubs can position themselves as a as an organization that doesn't overextend financially. Oh yeah, they'll spend. They'll spend that 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 shouldn't be the problem, particularly if players want to stick around. Kinda obvious to me, Javier Baez really didn't want to stick around. He would have accepted the contract he was offered back a while ago. You know, if if, if it was the most important thing in my world is to stay in Chicago when he was given a really good extension, he'd have taken it. But he, he, he was prioritizing uh, gambling on himself, and sometimes that doesn't work. If the Cubs can position themselves well financially, over the long haul, that will be a good thing. Eventually, somebody, Yankees, Red Sox, Mets, Padres, Rockies, that's five teams have done it in the last, what, year? Five teams, last two years, the, the Mookie Betts trade. The last five years, last two years, those five teams have absolutely screwed themselves financially. We haven't even seen the new CBA yet. There are going to be teams absolutely running the Lamborghini into a guardrail and begging and pleading, please help me out of this situation. I will do anything. Well, will you do anything enough to give us a 45 or a 50 man, uh, 45 or 50 prospect on fan graphs? That's how you long-term extend excellence. Develop your own. Keep your finances in good shape. And when the process avails itself... You take full advantage of somebody else screwing up because guess what? It happens all the time. The Mets are a joke. The Mets are a laughing stock. And it's only not funny if you're a Mets fan. Seriously, it's it's only not funny if you're a Mets fan. I kind of do feel sorry for the Mets fans that I do know on Twitter because I've been in that situation as far as, oh my God, my team is a laughing stock. My team is an absolute laughing stock. It's going to be hard for them to get out of it. And at some point, they're going to need to make a trade where they do something they really don't want to do. They really, really, really don't want to do. They're going to need a really high cash rate. Uh, 
on their prospects over the next, I don't know what, two, three, four years, um, that Lindor contract is not going to get better. That It's not going to get better. And the fans are angry and the owner's angry and the agents are angry at the owner and the, it's just it's just ugly. The Cubs don't have to get aggressive. There is no reason for the Cubs to get aggressive. Sit back. Be very patient. Take full advantage of this year. Totally assess all the talent. Is Trevor McGill left column or right column? Why? Is Michael Rucker left column or right column? Why? They're cheap. They're league minimum. They're easy mistakes if they are mistakes. Off season. Mind the DFA wire. Is this guy going to be worth adding? Is this guy going to be worth keeping? All that kind of stuff. And at some point, at some point, at some point, at some point, the money will be there. Once the team starts playing well, the money will be there. And another team will come crying to the Cubs. Can you please help us out? We are absolutely screwed. If you don't believe me that it's going to happen, explain the Rockies with um, Nolan Arenado. Explain what's going to happen with the Mets. Explain the Adovino trade. There's so many times teams just, we're screwed. We're financially screwed. We are financially screwed. And had the Cubs gone a bit more aggressively in 2018, 2019, and 2020, they would have been screwed too. And it was very unpopular that Tom Ricketts said, no, you're not going to get any more money. You're not going to get any more money. Very unpopular. Over the long haul, 2016, uh, 2026, 2027, when people look back to 2019 and 2020, I really think a lot of people are going to be able to then say, you know what, Tom Ricketts made some really good, though albeit unpopular decisions. Sit back, wait, let other teams screw up. And when other teams screw up, which they're going to do, take full advantage. Javier Baez, the Mets, it's a bad joke. Sit back, patiently relax, wait and eventually the Cubs will get to take advantage of either that or something else. Because owners, executives, they screw up all the time. Thanks for stopping by. I apologize for talking for almost an hour. Have a great day. Have a great week. I will talk to you next time.